One of the subjects of the conversation is mental health issues. So be prepared for us to touch on those areas and to talk about therapy and stuff like that. The conversation at times touches on child abuse and on sexual abuse. What therapy gives you is, is, is sticks with which to beat your demons. So you've still got the demons, yeah. but you can just do that ever such a slight um, shifty, much shifty to one side and look. And it, it's so hard. Yeah. But gradually I began to see these juxtapositions between me being given a little bit of disrespect, a little bit of you're not worthwhile, and the fury of a child. The fury of a tantruming toddler. Yeah, this is, primitive yeah. part of my brain mm. would come in and there's nothing I could do. You have to learn to, I was going to say learn to love yourself and it sounds so trite. But, you know, forgive yourself for being a complex human being. Forgive yourself for having these triggers and then you can start to examine them. Yeah. You know, without blame. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. Today we're getting better acquainted with Mel Jones. Uh, Hello, Mel. Hi. The first question that I ask everybody is how do you know me? I know you from the poetry circuit. I can't remember when we first met. You just always seem to have been around. Right. I think we. I think I saw you first. At, oh, I know. Actually, I tell you how it is. I was doing the spoken word CD That's for right. for BBH yeah. Free Fringe a couple of years ago. Stand Up Tragedy were doing it, and the first sort of I came into contact with you was a, a submission that you gave of a of a of a poem about porn. Oh, that's it. Yeah, and, yeah. And I, I remember that. That's yeah. kind of your almost your calling card as a poem, isn't it? it 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 does seem to um, go down well or or spectacularly not well, right? With a lot of people, so it always gets a reaction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the mem- yeah. it, it sticks you in people's memories, but also I guess puts you into a, a box in their memories, which probably is a bit frustrating it, sometimes. It is, yes, it is. I mean, it. I'm often called, you know, Mel. You know, the filth. She's known as the filth, and um, <laughs> you know, Mel Jones is coming on now. So watch it if there's any children house. And I might have an entirely different set yeah. in my mind, but then I'm kind of... It's hard you know, not to give people what they want, it, isn't it? It is a little bit, yeah. But not, you know, I think I'm perceived as quite a lot filthy now. And I've got three or four really filthy poems. The rest of them, or, you know, clever rhymes really they are. They're yeah. comedy rhymes yeah. rather than, you know, serious poetry. Although I do have a bash But I think that. there's a seriousness as well in the way that you deal with filth. I think, I feel like... I mean, not to say that it, not to say that the poems aren't funny, but just it, it's a kind of slightly radical act as as far as things go. To, to I didn't be realise it was filthy as, yeah, a, as a woman right. and as, as a as a yeah. as a woman who's not in, put in the boxes that people expect a filthy woman to be. You know, all of these things. I really like the, the fact that people seem to. I never meant to be. I just like being funny. I like making people laugh. It makes me feel good. Right. You know. Yeah. And I'm I'm good at it. You are. And. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yes, there is. I think a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down, and I really do believe that um, there's nothing wrong with porn. There's an awful lot with it, uh, wrong with exploiting people. Me too. I mean, that's what I like about your porn poem as well. Like that's why it connects with me because I'm not about um, 
I think sex is a great thing. Yeah. I think that uh, the way that we commercialise everything is a bad thing. I think that uh, the way that men have an unfair power dynamic over women in society is a bad thing. Um, but we can get if we get rid of those two things, pretty much sex, as long as it's consensual, all good, right? And Look, as long as it doesn't fight the horses, absolutely. Exactly. And, and, you know, the thing is to get to the point where... where and not just women, not just no, women, no, where sure. people actually know whether they're giving consent or not. Right. Because I do feel that certainly in my youth, I was coerced into all sorts of things, sexual and otherwise, mm-hmm. that I was convinced, you know, I wanted. Right. And, you know, and of course I was, you know, once you get to 18, you are, you know, technically speaking, you're on your own. Yeah. But looking back now, you know, I, I think that a lot more could have been available to me a lot more could have been said or intimated mm-hmm. to make to give me pause i'm not stupid but a lot of there's a lot of stuff that's kind of left out um because people mistake ignorance for innocence and mm-hmm. I, I think that's a a bad thing so i like talking about all these things i, I can remember being mortified because somebody was talking about masturbation you know so i've got poems now about masturbation because i want people to I do think it's important that we, you know, all of us do these things. Right. Um, and to spend any of the precious time you've got on this earth worrying right. about having a wank yeah, yeah. or fancying someone of the same sex, right. you know, once in your life or right. or whatever it happens to be, you know, uh, uh, things that can really fuck people they up. Eat people up, yeah, you're right. I, I think that's a crime, and I think it's so it's so easy to break down that barrier. And there's something powerful, particularly about a middle aged woman mm-hmm. getting up and saying, you know, fuck shit, twat, toss, turd. You know, the world has not come to an end. No, no, we're all okay, right? You know, and particularly with the porn poem, I do. It, I really, it's an anti-fascist poem. Yeah, essentially, no, sure. You know, the, and the, I think that's a good. And everyone's sexual, right? Exactly, yeah. and and there's definitely that's that the, there is a kind of anti-sex attitude yeah. that you find across ideologies, like whether they're right or left, it doesn't Indeed. matter. There's this kind of attitude that that you kind of come up against in in, in whatever group. And I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, in, I including by the way, asexual people. When I say right, asexual, yes. it's very important to include that group because I think they they're so. Um, they're not even on the on the periphery of right. people's understanding. That is a sexuality. No, absolutely, and just I, as I agree, much as anything else. You know, although too. I don't agree with, I don't like category very much. No. I, I think that I'm not having a go at anyone. We need these categories for now. You know, gay, straight, bisexual, transgender, gender, whatever it happens to be. But eventually, get rid of them. I would like to yeah. have a time when that really just doesn't occur. To, you know, like when you got you've got friends and you don't say, "Oh, John, my black friend." Yeah. Because that's not. Well, if you it do, just doesn't come it into probably your head. means you're still a little bit racist. You haven't really worked that through. If, if you're saying my black friend, issue. you're you're yeah. aware of race in a yeah. in a complicated way. Which yeah. is which is not to say that we shouldn't be aware of race while it's still a problem. This is the thing, isn't it? We need these categories to deal with them. But they are that you. I know. I, I fully agree with that. You know, too. and the, in that context, you know, I, I want to see a, a time when there isn't a, you know, a gay club or. a... Right, you know, that just wouldn't be an issue, and I, and I I see great things happening with the next generation coming up, or two generations behind me, really. Yeah, where I I see people interacting with each other, and these things just obviously aren't, you know, in in the conversation because they're not relevant. Yeah, it, and and that's very 
encouraging. But let's remember, I live in London, and London is a I country. was going to say that. And also, yeah. that you know, it's it's bubbles of London as well. <coughs> you know, the, the groups you meet in London will also be limited. Yeah, uh, yeah, to, I gravitate towards exa- people of like right. minds. Like we're we're at poetry nights, so we're yeah. going to meet people who have a bit more of a that kind of an attitude, I guess. Well, that's what I, I love. You know, it's one of the pr- principal things I love about it is the people I've met. Right. You know, not, not to not to a a person. I mean, there are some uh, some more, shall we say, right wing um, people. Yeah. Uh, but on the whole, I've I've met people that have, uh, whilst um, being in the same ballpark as as me, they've educated me, they've challenged me, they've mm. made me think about attitudes that perhaps I didn't realise I was I was harbouring or or you know. Um, hadn't dealt with, hadn't looked at again, right. you know, because yeah, there yeah. are things when you're young, you, they're kind of ingrained, like we were talking about before this starts. It's, you know, my mother said to me last year, um, she said, all those things, you know, that you keep going about you don't like, you should go and try them again. And I have, and I, I find that now I do like parsley, I do like um, a whole range of foodstuffs that I've avoided for years because I didn't like them when I was a kid. Right. Because um, you've, you, you've got this thing, I am like this. Uh, and I think in a wider context, there are things you don't realise you're still clinging to yeah. uh, in, in terms of views about um, age, right. I think, for me. Right. Um, right. You know, that, I'd got, that it was still OK, you know, to say things like, oh, well, I've got shoes older than you, you know, or, or, um, or going the other way, you know, being ageist upwards. It's OK in certain contexts because we must never lose our sense of humour. Right. But I think I had got very still have got very fixed ideas about the ages of life and what you're supposed to be. Right. You know, and I need to work on that. But that's half the battle, isn't it? Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that resonates with me as well when, you're ta- when we're talking about like being open about sex is that, that I feel like, yeah, I feel like we, we're not, as a culture, or at least I have not been, and I don't think, I still don't think we're there yet, uh, taught about consent when we're growing up. I think that's really true. But I think that the other thing that we're not talking is to how to articulate our desires so I feel like I've I've been thinking about this a lot recently like that women are told that they're not supposed to have like asexuality at all they're supposed to have sex but they're not supposed to want sex and men are told that we're supposed to want sex with anybody but we're not we're told we want we're supposed to have sex in a in a a male way you know we're mm. not allowed to be vulnerable we're not allowed to show our uh, we're not allowed to be at the, the submissive part of that deal yeah. um and if we are then that's considered feminine gay etc etc all of these things that are already marginalized and you get pushed towards that area mm. and it feels to me like yeah i wish that what i when i look back at my childhood and my my sexuality and coming up till now i sort of feel like yeah my uh, consent I wish I'd understood how to how to navigate that that I ha- I had um I've had experiences where I haven't fully you know ha- I haven't consented and I've not yeah. been into that um yeah. but but also I've also had many experiences where I've not been able to say what I want and yeah. then subsequently have missed missed out on so much yeah, yeah. you know yeah I think it's a I th- you know, we, we forget, we live on an island. Yeah. This is a strange, up-its-own-ass little island with a, <laughs> with, a, with a strange island culture. And we don't see it as strange, mm. because, you know. There's that old thing in there about, um, what's that thing where they said, uh, fog in the channel, Europe cut off. It's this idea that Europe's cut off from Britain. Right. You know, yeah, from, yeah, yeah. We're, they're the ones that are isolated. Right, you know, rather than us. Kind yeah. of, you know, I still think there is this kind of residual, you know... Um, imperialist kind of you know em- empire 
oh, yeah. mentality, you know, well, we're, we're, we're an empire. see it in ourselves. We're an empire, but we haven't got an empire anymore. So we, talk, <coughs> I mean, my, my, my dad's friend calls us the last colony. Like the, we, the, and that's how, and I think if you look at how the media are behaving towards you know, towards the working classes in this country yeah. and towards minority groups in this country, they're treating them like they treated people in the empire. Oh, God, uh, yes. But just, oh, God, yes. you know, the way that the, the rhetoric that the government, who are all br- bred to lead the empire, use is. Well, they yeah. still are, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're, we're covering so many topics in like, you know, one one sort of paragraph, aren't we? Because yeah, we're talking about right. sexuality, we're talking about empire, we're talking know, about xenophobia, uh, you know, and the fact that in, in the last 10 years, um, I have seen uh, the bigots start feeling safe. The fascists start feeling safe. You know, the sort of things that are being aired on um, primetime TV, mainstream TV now, mm-hmm. would have been absolutely out of the question 10 years ago. Right. I mean, a few years Previous to that, in the seventies and right, stuff, it feels it was, very like the seventies again. It, it seems like Humor, we're going all backwards, of these things, right? And we're going backwards with with other things to do with um, uh, censorship in a wide range of areas. And I will not fucking be censored. Hmm. I it really no, you know. No, I'm, I'm not. I mean, I'm, I'm the not... daughter of my father, and he weren't having any of that, right? You know, and and I uh, I can feel him. You know, in my veins, because he would just, he wasn't, I mean, I love swearing, I, I, I think, you know, that, that such things are delightful, and, yeah. and, 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 and speak of a wide range of, uh, ex, uh, of expression. They're great words for yeah, a they start. are, you know, great. all those cuz and tuz and yeah, fun, yeah. fantastic, you know, but he, he, he wasn't much of a swearer, but he absolutely got his point across, um, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he, he was a uh, won't be told kind of a guy. Uh, and I, and he was a young communist, uh, and stuff like that. You know, he's very politically yeah. aware. When I was a kid, he wouldn't have the ads on. I mean, he used to drive us nuts because he'd insist on switching over or or putting the sound down or something when adverts were on. Now I understand why he was doing that, and um, he didn't want his kids exposed to all this nonsense right you know and, and now i understand and look what we died i think we should be advertising to kids at all no i mean that's what exactly that that's something and, i changed my position on over the years i, I mean initially i was a because i'm against censorship i was like you know don't you can't ban anything but i, I think i have changed my position on that i feel like you, you maybe can ban adverts to children because they're not old enough to spend any money yet. No, but and pester power. Right. No, I, I'm with you. I've always felt like that. There are three kinds of censorship that are okay. There's self-censorship. Yeah, definitely. Uh, censorship of outlet. Right. So I haven't got, got a problem with men looking at tits all day or women looking at what they want all day. I don't see why I should have to look at it if I don't want to look at it. That's, that's the thing with like page three and stuff like that. You want to go... And do what you want to do with whatever you like. I've got no problem with that at all. But I really don't see why I have to be in the room mm. while you're having a mm. look at, you know, Debbie from Surrey 36 double G. There's no reason why I can't have my space and you can't have yours. But right. but why should it be, you know, thrust in front of me? And the, and the uh, the third one is parental. Parental censorship is very important. Only you know your child and. You know, you should know there are there are nine year olds that can watch a, a, a eighteen plus film, and the nine year olds that would be traumatized forever. And, right. You know, it, it should be about parental. You know, so so I'd you know I'd have um, all sorts of things on that aren't on now uh, at the cinema, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I 
I'd want to know what was in it before I went. I'd want to get some yeah. idea of what it was I was going to expose right. myself to. A content note, basically. Yeah, indeed, yeah. And then yeah. you can make up your own mind, because censorship is about a group of elitist people saying that they've really got to make sure that um, we, you know, we can cope. Yeah. No, fuck off. <laughs> I'll decide whether... Yeah, no, sure. I mean, I, you know, I get very... I fully agree. ...upset about I think. that. I um, mean, yeah. the second question that I ask everybody is, what do you do now? So yeah, what, what's the answer to that? <laughs> well, do you mean do you mean like in however employment? You, however you want to take it. Oh, I see. Well, if, if um, I've just got a boring uh, desk job. I, I occasionally it's less boring because I go and train people on stuff. And I used to do a lot with CVs and things like that. And I got some good um, material out of that because people write the most. <laughs> it's somebody put I put eleven percent into everything I do. <laughs> you know all these typos. So I, yeah, I, you know, oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, but that's really that's just a, a way to pay the bills. Um, my creative life is what's important to my friends. So, um, for example, I, before I ever did the the poeting, uh, I was a songwriter and did lots of songs. I used to write songs with my sister when we were growing up. So. Well, I say write songs. I used to make up songs. And then just recently, a friend of mine said, well, they're not songs. What are you talking about? I said, well, they're not songs. Nobody's heard them, Meryl. If nobody's heard them, ergo, they are not songs. So I thought, you know, that's irritatingly true. <laughs> so I asked a mate if he'd do the chords for me, and he said he would. He couldn't do them. Another one, he couldn't do them. I, I went round and round, and I finally found this guy, uh, Michael, and he was able to do them. He said the reason why they couldn't do them is because when you've got a guitar and you're writing songs, you tend to make the song fit the chords, you know. Right. And when you just do it in your head, you don't give a toss what the chords are because you haven't got to work them out. Right. So, exactly. yeah, yeah. so, you know, they're not in any way commercial, but we're going in to record on the 25th nice. of this month, and I'm really excited about that. And is it kind of jazz stuff that you do? No, I mean, I was, I'm a jazz singer. That's, right. how I, that's how I started out, and I'm very comfortable doing jazz singing. But the songs come out kind of, you know, kind of country, folky. Nice. You know, yeah. sort of, I listen to a lot of um, jazz, but I listen to a lot of, uh, like, the Indigo Girls and Joni Mitchell right. and all that kind of retro. Yeah. You know, um, I like songs with meaning with words that matter. Well, Joni... Leonard Cohen. Yeah, Leonard Cohen is another one, but Joni yeah. Mitchell is... Yeah. Oh, well, she's, the, she's just the pinnacle. And she's right. Just, Some of her lyrics are just sublime, as, as are, are Leonard Cohen's. I mean, Indeed, they're, yeah. these are... But they're, they're, and they're kind of both, interestingly, uh, songwriters who I would say uh, that there's are quite close to poets, uh, both of those. And both of... I think definitely Leonard Cohen's released... You know, just poet has released. Poetry oh God, yeah, he started out as a poet. Yeah, he didn't was a poet he? to begin yeah. with, right? Well, I don't in any way compare myself to these people, no. but, but you <laughs> right. know, and he also was. I like writing just a pretty, pretty thing. Yeah, you know, da 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 da. I'm I'm interested in this. I like simple songs too, and I think that um, just the idea. I'm doing this for me, mm. you know, and to have this thing and to be able to say I made that, you know, right. is quite exciting and um and to do, go back and do some harmonies and stuff like that and make a pretty thing yeah um and it doesn't have to be profound one or two of them are a bit more but in a, in a way than others. isn't i mean isn't simplicity i mean isn't simplicity kind of the most profound you can get i think sometimes if you really hit it perfectly best. if you get yeah. it totally right it's like wow that's just that's that thing and only that thing and it's just 
Yeah. If you if you elicit, um, you can't decide what response you elicit from your audience, no matter what you do. No, no, right. No. Um, but it, but there are. I mean, one of the songs is my least favourite, and everybody likes that one that I've because it's a simple little love song, right? You know, and I, I'm not saying I dislike it. <laughs> it's just that I want them to like the ones I think are more profound. Yeah, yeah. At the same time, in it nice that you know it hits a chord. No, no pun intended. Yeah. Uh, with them because it's about uh, lost love and I think an awful lot of people you know understand that feeling something they didn't have at the start of their day yeah and and, you know that's what it's about in it performing is a is about that person's day has ended differently from where it started. So we're, we're recording this in 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 your in your place. That's right. And uh, the audience may hear uh, a cat occasionally. Moving occasionally, around. I've also got a cough. I'm trying to get uh, rid of, so they might get some fruity um, upcomings nice. at some point. <laughs> nice. You're just going to say hello. Yes, <laughs> lovely girl. Um, but yeah, so it's uh, th- those are the things that are important, and also cultivating um, friendships that matter. I've found that. Uh, in doing the performance poetry, I've met, I've found my tribe. You know, I've found people, even if we're not hugely acquainted, I know, you know, in that way you do. Right. Um, but I mean, that's this is somebody, you know, yeah. of value. Right. That's definitely know. the thing I find in the in the poetry scene. Like, I mean, I... I'm, I straddle a few scenes because I do a mixed bill show, but I mean, I, I, I meet a lot of poets, and uh, I, it, it, yeah, you don't necessarily know them very well, but you're there talking about the most deep and uh, meaningful stuff, like all of a sudden, just yeah. that afterwards. Yeah. And I guess it's because we're all in the business of talking about those things on stage, and so it's yes. really easy to talk about them off stage too. Yeah, I don't hear. Not that there's anything wrong with someone saying, "Oh, I really like shoes," or "Really right. like bag." There's nothing wrong with that. We don't get a lot. No. You know, it's like, um, you know, the, oh, yeah, that reminded me of when I was clinically depressed. Right. You know, that's an opening line. Right. Exactly. <laughs> somebody. You have those comments. I love yeah. that. I love all that. You know, fuck the small talk. Yeah. Let's get in there with, yeah, you, know, I, you know, you no, know, yeah, I'd love to have a drink, but I'm feeling really fragile and I just can't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. you get that from a poet. Which is great. It's, I mean, it's real humans talking yet, to each if other. If only more people, and, and and some people are, of course, but I think if we were all like able to say that, yeah. I feel like that's the thing. It's like we, we we all have sort of politely go along with things sometimes, and if we could just say no, no, do you know what? It's nothing to do with you. It's just yeah, yeah I feel fragile at this moment. You're right. You're right. They give me permission. Right. And that's what I try and do in some of these plans. I give people permission to to have these thoughts and to express these things mm. whereas uh, otherwise under the skin and all you've got is eczema right you know instead of yeah, saying yeah. well actually you know i was brought up in a family where my role was this you know where i was the little person that you know pleased everybody right but now i realize you know i'm i'm a dominatrix who likes you know bells and whips <laughs> and it's okay yeah that is perfectly fine right but it's ever so hard i think i think most of life is an unraveling of the of all the stuff that got fucked up at the beginning yeah well me too and and, i mean i'm i'm yeah i guess my my art and my life of sort of going in the same direction of like let's work on all of this stuff that fucked you up when you were growing up um 
And that's a, a liberating thing to be doing that on stage, though. I mean, one of the, the great things about sharing the sorts of stuff I share at True Storytelling Nights or at Stand Up Tragedy or whatever um, is that people will say, yeah, that happened to me or those kind of things happened to me and suddenly mm. you don't feel so alone and you have given other people permission and people come up to you and say thank you, you know. And it's confusing because you've done it for you, but it's had yes. a, a, an effect on them. You know, it's, it's true, good. I've got a poem about I once shat during sex. And it was so traumatising. I hardly knew this person. I just sort of started seeing them and, oh, Jesus. It yeah. was just, I was ill. I didn't know it. I was ill. And um, we, we, we're still friends. It's okay. Right. But at the time, I can't tell you, it was just the most mortifying thing that ever happened to me. So I wrote a poem about it. And I, when I went on to do the poem, very frightening because, you know, because I don't think I need to have to go... People have come up to me, thank you so much yeah. for doing that poem. That has happened to me. I thought it was the only person in the world. I didn't, you know. So whatever it is, there's how many people in the world are? Seven billion, pushing seven yeah. billion. It's happened to someone else. Whatever Definitely it is, has. it's happened to someone else. And that wasn't a matter of character. That was a matter of, of uh, improperly reheated casserole. <laughs> That's what that was. <laughs> you know, it's nothing to do with me as a person right. or me as, you know... Well, we're just animals, right? Indeed we are. Happen to us. I wish we understood that a little bit more because we're far too uppity, you know, about our own importance, about... Mm. I mean, for me, that's that's at the bedrock of, you know, all religious belief. You know, I'm too important to die. Well, no, I'm not. You know, I'm about as unimportant as it gets. Right. You know, and that, you've got to live with that. That's, that's... There's an exultance in just the once, just the one go round. Right. You know, that, uh, I can't remember who said it. Somebody profound said that death is what makes life an event. And I think that that's a marvellous way great. of looking at, you know, so I can't remember it was somebody, somebody dead good. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Um, so, I mean, one, I guess what you might say about, about you, as far as I understand it, is that you came to poetry quite late in life is the is the kind of that's the the line that would be put out by the me like yeah. quite late in life is yeah. a, is a word a sentence i i don't really know what that even well means. i'm so glad you said that <laughs> it pisses me off what the fuck you, what's that about you know it's like um well i you know in the in the end they're doing exactly what i know i do which is you know saying that this should have happened by this date this should have happened by the time you're 20 and this should have happened by the time you're right. 30 and so on. They've done exactly what I've done to other people, so right. I can hardly um, be churlish about it. But yes, I mean, I, I, I did come from... A, I'm the youngest of four and uh, I'm five years younger than the nearest one. So right. I was a kind of uh, only child come child of a big family. It's weird, yeah, you know. And uh, I really was quite badly um, um, mentally ill you know, for a lot of my life, and I had no idea. You know, I really didn't understand what um, a lot of things that other people, I realise now, understood. Like, you know, just joy, um, self-esteem, understanding um, that you need help, that it's okay to ask for help, that you don't have to be alone, that you don't have to cope on your own. And I'm not blaming, I think my parents did, you know, they did an okay job, they did an alright job. Um, I think it was the juxtaposition of my natural kind of melancholic um, disposition uh, coupled with three siblings who absolutely age-appropriately treated me like shit. 
you know, and, and I was bullied at school, you know, I had calcium deficiency, my hair wouldn't grow, my nails were thin and see-through, I, I was, um, I had glasses and my, um, I had to have a patch and all that. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised I didn't get beaten to death, you know, in the right. playground. So all these things, which nobody's fault, nobody maliciously did anything. Um, but I, I grew up with a, a, a sense of being at the bottom of the heap, and that's entirely where I should be. You know, I had no goals, I had no plans. Not that I think that goals are necessarily anything very special, but, right. you know, I, I just knocked around for 40 years. Knocked around. And eventually as life does it just repeats the same things until you start realizing that, that there are patterns emerging so then I went I was very very lucky I, I went through a series of stuff you know all complicated I ended up with uh, three times a week um, therapy that I could afford because That's it was amazing. somebody who was in their last uh, year of um, of their course you know so they qualified after the first year and I was with Rosemary for five years. And I did three times, well, just under five years. Did three times a week for five years. And things started to change. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I've, yeah, it's hard to get therapy that's affordable. Yeah. I, I did a course of uh, cognitive behavioural therapy on the NHS with the hope that at the end of that, I would be able to get onto talking therapy, which is the thing I feel I could do with the most because I've got yeah. quite a lot of tactics to deal with mm. uh being depressed and being anxious um but i haven't yet uh get, yes. got to the roots of them uh and then yeah the, the, the waiting list you know i was i was struck off the waiting list because of the cuts uh, really yeah it's annoying because there's the, the no it's more than that it's right. an absolute calumny well it is but it, <laughs> it isn't it is i guess i'm 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 always hyper aware of the fact that there's <coughs> all of these things are on a spectrum so i'm someone who's a coper is how i think of it and my mum was a little bit i mean i've seen how coping fucks up an entire family so i'm not like pro mm. yeah if you're a coper you're all right but i'm aware that there's other people who might need those services more than me and so I want them to get them rather than me, but I would mm. like to have an well, NHS I, that know, could had capacity for all people with mental health issues. This is a, this is an incredibly helped. rudely rich country, and we're absolutely able to afford all of these things. Yeah, no, I agree. And I just do not accept. No, I agree with you. Uh, I get very angry about it. Well, yeah, I mean, not, I mean, it's not... old people dying in their own filth. Right. You know, is is an unacceptable thing, mm. uh, and I won't have it. I won't have it that we can't sort that out. You right. know, this is when when. You know, we train uh, doctors and nurses in this country and we have nothing that says after that you've got to do this and this. We don't, you know, we put tens of millions of pounds and then that nurse, I'm not having to go at a nurse coming out when she knows she can get three times as much working for Booper. What would you do? No, I know it's hard. You know, because we treat our people in the public services so badly and we keep on cutting them as well. It must be a bleak. I mean, I used to work for the library service and my job was also cut as, you know, so I've had a couple of ways. Library library people are are some of the worst paid absolutely in in the service. And and when doctors... uh, Or nurses particularly badly paid. They are, they are. But, you know, um, doctors, how much do we spend on training them? And then they're allowed to do all this. Mm. I'm not saying that they can't have a bit of private work. um, But, but, you know, really, they need to be putting something back into that service on a regular basis. I also think that doctors, like any other emergency service, should be available 24-7. 
and I see no reason why not. There's, I don't see why there's an operating theatre apart from maintenance that's ever closed. I'll be quite happy to go in at two in the morning, as long as I know that the doctor's had enough sleep or whatever. I don't see... There are so many ways in which... You can't go because the doctor's on the golf course on Thursday afternoons and stuff like that. Right. And it makes my blood boil. But but the mental health thing, the trouble with the NHS is they give you just enough therapy to fuck you up a bit more. And then they chuck you out. Six weeks of counselling yeah, I mean, is true. don't do it because it will just stir the shit enough to upset you yeah. and open a load of doors and boxes and stuff and then oh well, your time is up right you know and i think it's it's worse than nothing they say do no harm that actively does harm to people in my opinion right. you've got to have long-term therapy no, uh, it's definitely uh, true it's, i mean and, and even if i've not had i've not been able to get talking therapy but i guess you know with these conversations with a lot of the, the work i've been doing artistically that has been a kind of therapy yeah. and i've definitely found myself in positions where i've been feeling like yeah I'm, I'm getting so much i'm changing in so many ways and then suddenly whoa i've gone i've stirred up like you say yeah. stirred up stuff and then suddenly yeah. whoa i'm i'm dark. like i've in the in the time that i've been dealing with my mental health issues i think i've had the worst uh, experiences of those uh, conditions yeah. as well as some of the best kind of growing and changing stuff yeah yeah, yeah. well yeah because it is a it's a baptism of fire isn't it and, it, and the trouble is that it's not linear yeah it's not a lot of the things aren't i'm not saying that you don't get better necessarily no. you do you do no. in some ways yeah. there are there are behaviors that i didn't even know I, i've kind of noticed their absence but i never brought them up i'd never seen them as as things that were separate from my character, if you know what I mean, things that had kind of been imprinted on me until they disappeared as a result of this therapy. But what it does do, what therapy gives you is, is, is sticks with which to beat your demons. So you've still got the demons, yeah. but you can just do that ever such a slight um, shifty, much shifty to one side and look. And it, it's so hard, yeah. so hard to do that. I used to have this thing, I don't know what it was, I couldn't give you the whys and wherefores of why somebody might, I don't know, push past me in a shop. And then an hour later, I'd be giving my partner what for over nothing. You know, the, but gradually I began to see these juxtapositions between me being given a little bit of difference, disrespect, a little bit of you're not worth while, and the fury of a child. The fury of a tantruming toddler, yeah. you know, when they're on the side going blue. Yeah, I get you know, this because I have this, this primitive yeah. part of my brain mm. would come in, and there's nothing I could do. You know, I'm I'm an adult. I'm I'm nice. I don't want to start. You know, I, I can remember making scenes, you know, in public mm. with somebody that had done nothing really to me, but certain another person at another time not long ago had. Right. I perceived a slight on some subconscious level and it had triggered this thing and it, and it literally, you know, bang, 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 bang with my fists, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it would come out in these inappropriate ways. And you have to be, um, you have to learn to, I was going to say learn to love yourself and it sounds so trite, but, you know, forgive yourself for being a complex human being. Forgive yourself for having these triggers and then you can start to examine them, yeah. you know, without blame, right. without blaming yourself. This reminds me of a quote um, that I think is by Lily Tomlin. Uh, forgiveness, uh, forgiveness is giving up all hope for a better past, yeah. right? 
and that has great. had a real profound effect on me that quote and also putting it into practice going all those people who bullied me in school I can't change that yeah. all of those tra- traumatic events that happened in my home life yeah. I can't change that so the yeah. getting angry about it it's just trying to change something I can never ever change if I can just accept that I can't make a better past I can only make a better now yeah um, and, and also how you perceive your past because right. for most of us uh, it's a it's a combination mm-hmm. you know I mean my parents never hit us Mm. We were always warm, we were always clothed, you know. My father was an unreconstructed sort of 1950s male and his version of love was to go out and get work and get money and bring things on the table. But I never remember, you know, he was absent emotionally. He wasn't a bad man, he was a wonderful man. Um, And I respect him. The older I get, the more I understand. And you know that... that, um, uh, Oscar Wilde thing, we start out loving our parents and then we judge them and sometimes we forgive them. Mm. I forgive him absolutely. I get it. Yeah. You know, and even though even <laughs> though uh there are parts of me that still ache. Yeah. You know, for that um physical affection I never got from yeah. him. He no, did, I get he, but he didn't know how to do it. And you know, I've got a thing, um I'll show you, I know you can't see it on the camera, but um, I didn't know this existed. My dad um, died four years ago. Well, just over, uh, just coming up four years ago, and I found out that in 1995, him and his sister and his two brothers did ten CDs worth of family history. Wow! And it was all on tapes in the loft somewhere, and I went and got it down, and I got a mate to put them onto CD, and I started listening to them. Wow! And it's telling me so much. That's an amazing resource. To it, have. It's just incredible. It's so moving. You know, he he was. Um, uh, taken to his auntie and uncle in um, Wales and his parents weren't sending the money mm. and he could hear these arguments going on in the background and he'd gone from being top of the tree in the family he was to suddenly in a bed with three boys he didn't know right at the end you know and and being you know they treated him well but he wasn't their son you can imagine the the kind of the events yeah. that happened in his youth. Right, that's a, that's a real part of understanding. Like, it's given me a lot more, even more compassion. Yeah. You know, for the way he was, he was the way he was for a reason. Right, that's you and know? this is it with with. So, I mean, my my issues, if you like, are to do with having a uh, a mum that didn't know how to show affection, yeah. um, and which is not to say she didn't try, but she has a. You know, it's, if she hugs you, you don't feel like she's hugging you. You know, she's yeah. stiff and and she gives you all of this yes. uh, anxiety um, because she's not comfortable in her own skin. Yeah. She makes you. But I was lucky that I had a dad who was who was comfortable with hugging. So I have had these yeah. kind of twin different uh, experiences that have kind of made me able to connect with yeah. both. Thankfully, and it's what yeah. But that's the thing you see. I think that long term therapy helps you make space to connect with the good things mm. you get overwhelmed with the bad things you can't feel the good things you can't remember them you can't see them right. I'm not talking about recovered memory no I'm just talking about you know um, remembering things in a different right. priority a different and, kind of and seeing them as a per- like one of the things that really helped me was having a conversation like this with my mum and, and, and when I do these conversations I'm always looking for commonalities between me and my person I'm talking mm. to and so I had to see how she was similar to me and then in, in kind of the act of uh, of doing that I kind of started 
I was not judging her. I was forgiving her for those things, which meant I started to sort of forgive myself for the qualities that I have inherited from her that I always hate. Um, and so, it, yeah, it's but it's but but so many of the sort of things, uh, things that you're, you're talking about do chime, you know, with me, and including like being in a situation hearing adults arguing and being in in a room and all of those sorts of things yeah. was of course, also kids a big factor think of my childhood. They're they're the problem. Kids feel right. You know, I think there's a default. Thing that you know, like in, in divorce. I mean, my parents never divorced. They were they were married uh, fifty nine years. But um, th- th- there's always this idea that you are at fault in some way if there is disharmony. Mm. You know, and you, you you know again you carry this with you. These are indelible things. Yeah. Um, and but you can have a good go at scrubbing out. You can make them fade. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, you can have an effect. Um, and also, you you know, you can. You can get to that point of mental health where you go, well, I'm just like that. If you don't like it, fuck off. You know, right. yeah, yeah, I am sensitive about that. That's part of who I am. Right, and that's a real valid, validating thing as well to be it able is. to articulate yeah. who you are and take it, take me or leave me, which is very different from hitting out at people because of the fact they don't understand you. Mm-hmm. And actually, I found I am finding that the more I'm comfortable saying, yes, I'm an anxious, nervous, awkward person, but I'm quite okay with that. Actually, yeah. people yeah. people like that. Do but you they find don't that, like it when you go in and you're all anxious and nervous. Well, do you, you find that because of what you do, they think that you're, you know, that, that that they, you know, there is this idea that I get that because I go on and do that stuff, that I have no fears, mm. that I'm somebody that's really strong and really together, and you know, um, I think people do get this idea about if you're a performer. They definitely had that idea about yeah. me. I mean, I guess yeah. the more, more and more my work is kind of uh, openly trying to say the opposite of that so people are getting that that I'm not like that but I mean it's interesting I mean I think I'm a I'm an ambivert I think yeah me too yeah I only discovered that idea recently and I went oh I've come home (laughs) you know it's true because I'm really am this person on the stage but I need time on my own I don't do very well if I don't have great swathes of time on my Todd right you know so I I think uh, there's quite a lot of us around in the arts and Mm. and there's also introverts in the arts and there's also extroverts in the arts of course Mm. but but I mean uh, yeah and again that's another phrase that or idea that's helped me to sort of make some sense because everybody always thinks that yeah. I'm confident or have in the past I've always yeah. felt that people feel I'm confident and, and I've always felt to not be confident that person, right and then yeah. I sort of you come across as arrogant in a certain way as well because you're pushing you're so scared uh, of revealing that you're not confident that you throw out a false confidence yeah. and yeah. and and that, that and if you're a performer right. you can be very effective at that mm. and also you know people from highly dysfunctional families have to be chameleons in order to survive right that's you know true. and we had i mean it turned out i didn't know till i was 30 my grandfather was a prolific uh, child molester dreadful uh and we realized you know that he had actually tried it on with me and my sister we were both big gobby you know we came from a different family from my cousins before I would never have told anyone about this, but my cousins are okay. It's all come out now. And right. It's okay. Yeah, sure. Because there was a point at which it wasn't my secret; mm. it's their secret. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't say anything about it, even though. But I've realised now that, of course, I was abused, even though he didn't actually physically abuse me or, or my sister. Because we we sort of went, "What are you doing?" You know, when we were about eight, he started on all the girls when they're about eight. Um, it it it. Of course, he did abuse us. Because all the messages that you got, right? You know the the the, the um, body language, the you know all the memories that I had were totally wiped out. 
because what was, you know, when this man was teaching, when my grandfather was teaching me to play chess, now a paedophile was grooming me. Right. You know, suddenly... It changed everything. There's a hole through your whole, you know, through your life. But actually, that was one of the catalysts, I think. I I, I said 30, I think I was about 33 when I found out about this. And then it was um, seven years later I started the therapy. Uh, It sounds like a long time, but actually... In terms of getting your head sorted out, and and t- it's really scary to do therapy. It's really it's much easier not to. Yeah. You know, and I had to kind of get to the point. I suppose you've started healing when you say I I need you know I'm I'm really fucked up here. Right. You know I think I think that is a, a very positive moment. You know, yeah, it's like when you when you say you know I need to stop I don't know smoking drinking whatever it is. You 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 are humble enough. I think to to see that uh, you can't handle this alone, right? You know, but it, but what I was going to say was that it, it it's nil wind, isn't it? And I think that had I not had that huge shock, and the whole family had a huge shock, we wouldn't have started talking in the way we did and mm. have continued to do. Right. I wouldn't have gone into therapy. I would. I wouldn't have done any of this. So I'm not saying oh hurrah, <laughs> you know. But it's strange the pathways that lead us to where we need to be. Right. You know. No, sure, and I mean, I mean, and as it sounds like as well in your family that there was kind of I had this like there's six years between me and my older brother, there's six years between me and my little sister, so there's that 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 age group, like you said, you said age appropriately. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the problem. Like, like it, it. So sometimes you you sort of you you haven't you can't start talking because you're 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 not even in the same generation exactly no um no. and so it's a different of, world isn't it? right and so that but yeah. then you can sort of reconnect as adults uh, if you're lucky yeah. if you're lucky and yeah. then you can and that's the thing having other witnesses having other people who can that's the thing when we're in our childhood we're so often we're kind of just alone in our mm. own way we see it and it, and, and so, so unless true. you can find somebody else you also <laughs> experience it and say oh yeah i saw that too so I, oh, I'm sorry. I've got to tell you, my sister just recently said she. We started this conversation, and it was hilarious because I mentioned that when I first brought a boyfriend home, my dad, who was he was a performer, you know, and he come he come into the room with a bowl of water in his underpants, and start doing his toenails pinging all over the and she went he did that to me he did that to me and then we went through all the things and he would do the most outrageous obviously to chew the b- boys away right. this was his way you know of being jealous about his 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 daughter's you know maidenhoods right as it were but it was hilarious and my sister's eight years older than me so it did take us a long time right to connect but we've we've but we're still finding out things right. you know and she's been my reliable witness yeah you know for some of this stuff which is very important mm, you know? absolutely i mean me and my little sister it's similar i mean it's it's it, it was like i mean i i've i've worked i've worked with children at the end of fives and she kind of does that as well and we've both been on child protection courses and in both those courses we were like you know you get told what what counts as emotional abuse mm. and we both had this experience of going oh right tick 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 hang on what's yeah exactly <laughs> like you know um and 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 so when i told and i told her that i'd had that experience she was like yeah no i had exactly the same experience and it that was such a validating moment even though i think uh emotional abuse is a more complicated area than than these than physical abuse so i think mm, mm. that that 
I, I don't think that the fact that we tick all the boxes mean that we should necessarily have been taken away from my mum my, my growing no, up. No, I think that no. that means my mum needed some help. Yeah, sure. I but, think taking away children is almost always the wrong thing. I mean, yeah, even with quite, speaking, with quite yeah. dreadful abuse, mm. the, the, to, to rip a child away from their parent, there's something much more primitive going on, much better to deal with it in, I mean, obviously, if they're in danger, danger. of death or whatever, right. yeah, you know, you don't want some eight-year-old being being um, um, uh, sexually abused by anyone at yeah. <laughs> any point. Um, but I think there are lots of areas where, you know, if you had a better childhood, as it were, whatever that is, you know, you'd go, oh, God, you've got to take this child away, but it's a lot more, a lot more Yeah, you've got to start with that. where the child's at as well, what yeah. they, what's going to be best for them. Like, yeah. it's, 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 it's all very well to have this kind of, these kind of moral or, or kind of, you know, yeah, because things are disgusting, so we yeah. have a visceral reaction to the disgustingness of those things, yeah. but you have to look at the actual survivors and what they need, and, and, and yeah, so it's really complicated. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, that, that's what... I said to you that when you got here, you know, I, I, I'm less and less able to confidently tell you what it is I believe. Right. Because, you know, it's so complicated. Yeah. There's no. I, I was reading something recently that said uh, they were doing this. I mean, I think IQ is a terrible, is a it, nasty thing that measuring someone's IQ, it doesn't measure their patience or their humour or their kindness right. or their generosity or all the things that for me make up human beings but they did this thing on the basis of iq and asked people 100 questions and basically the higher iq the more unsure people were about whether they'd given the correct answer Mm. or not and i did find that quite interesting i wonder if there is some correlation but then i have a problem with the idea of intelligence being yeah, what I is do. intelligence i really have a problem you with know that. uh it, it's the closest i think it is i mean it, there's definitely more than one kind so it's intelligence hell yeah but then um, but i mean like i said my, i mean my i'm almost tiredly banging this drum now but i mean you know i, I don't understand why we value intelligence more than kindness no i mean that's a, a strange thing to me no no um, or indeed uh economic wealth right more than emotional health yeah. right you know why why is one more important than the other beyond a certain point if you're eating enough calories and you're warm enough and you're sheltered what exactly beyond that is important why is what is beyond that more important than emotional health right i i, I don't have an answer to that i don't have a i mean it's nice to have things yeah. you know of course it is but um, even the meanest person uh, uh, in, you know, this block, for example, this is a social housing block, you know, has one of the best lives available on the earth to live. I'm not saying it's brilliant, but they've got a, a charmed existence compared to most people alive now. Never mind in human history. Right. We're living, you know, I'm living the life of a, of a pharaoh. Right. You know, I've got electricity and and warm water and sanitation and mm. you know and, and we uh, you know I don't want to be kind of you know bearing white liberal guilt or anything but I do think it it, it ain't a bad thing you know to kind of remember yeah no I that, agree with you know you, yeah. I've got to walk five miles to find water right and stuff like that you know it kind of you know, it can put things in perspective when, when you know, your office job is crimping your day. <laughs> as, as That's a very privileged kind of problem to have, isn't right. it? You know. No, that's true. Yeah. Um, and But then, I mean, of course, that's the thing that we've... Regard, that, 
that all of these things are relative but within that it's like yeah you're absolutely right but then that doesn't mean that it's acceptable when when you know bad things happen to privileged people like that that sometimes there's a kind of people but sometimes that kind of thought which i fully agree with can be used as a way of saying well we don't have to do anything about that yes. because we you've got it good so we shouldn't sort out yeah. gender inequality no well i've got it i've got it good uh, i've got it good materially um relative to other people right um but that's just as you say you know we can very easily be seduced mm. into feeling into actually believing that that is a, a genuine advantage over all others mm. you know um well I mean, that, that not, means we're not worthy of like our sadness isn't isn't, our sadness sadness. isn't worthy yeah. yeah absolutely absolutely and that and that i don't agree with I, I i think that i mean i'm not in any way i'm an anti-religion or anti-theist you know but i find some of the language very useful you know like the spirit you know the soul as an idea yeah yeah you Me know too. and we don't feed those they're not they're not considered at right. all you know, and 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 the irony is that that does bleed into the economy yeah, of of, right. of any system. Right. You know, if the people within that system are unhappy, uh, are are not functioning in a way that gives them, you know, a benefit. Right. Uh, then then it's not going to work very well. And they're dis- disconnected from themselves and disconnected from their communities. So when we look at the uh, you know the bankers who everybody loves to bash and hey, I, I've got a lot of problem with the bankers, uh, but their culture. Uh, has has made them into people who do not care about each other and do not care about themselves. And then yeah. why are we surprised that, that they're yeah. going to do damage to the collective society when they've got well, that indeed. kind of power? Indeed. I mean, what, what I find I find very telling is that you know the riots a few years ago, which were here. I mean, I couldn't get home; I had to go somewhere else because the riots were all on this road uh, in all around Hackney. Uh, they had to call them, you know, the August riots because they didn't know what what it was about. Right. You know, they hadn't they couldn't get a handle, they still haven't. Right. You know, but I, I would call them the disconnection mm, riots. That's a good word or even or even the um the advertising riots because what happens is, you know, you get a whole bunch of kids that they're, they're not formed, you know, their brains are we know now that teenagers' brains aren't fully formed. Mm, that's you true. know, it goes it goes on right up until up about twenty five. Was it twenty two? Yes, in your early twenties yeah. anyway. Um, and you you basically make them into into you know the, the sort of uh, is it tantalus, you know you say well here's this here's this thing oh no you can't have that yeah, yeah. but it's really good isn't it we can't have it right you know and you're just going backwards and forwards so you, you you've got these kids who if they've got a job or any any income at all uh, then it's not enough to put a roof over their head, never mind, buy that jacket, those trainers, those headphones, that whatever it happens to be. It's way, way beyond their league, and yet they're also being told that you're not cool, you're not worthy, mm-hmm. you're not, you know. And and I'm not saying it's as simplistic as that. No, but... But, you know, it's part of this, this whole sort of feral, unfettered capitalist culture right. that puts people in a position where all that matters is things... And they don't matter because when you're rioting, that is an act of self-betrayal. That is that shows that you have absolutely no sense of um, uh, self-worth or respect. I'm not talking about writing for freedom or writing. You know, there are times when I think that kind of public dissonance is absolutely, you know, um, good for everyone right. in the long term yeah, you know sure. but in this particular context i think there's a lot of very very pissed off very frightened very poor 
in many, many ways, people mm. who just uh, linked with the incessant, insidious, constant uh, racist elements in our policing, I think, uh, and, and also classist elements. Mm. Actually, I need to put that a bit better. A lot of the police that we have around here are of the same class. But there is, there's a certain kind of mentality that goes into policing. Sorry, but it's true. I, I, but, I agree. You know, you're, you're, you're preaching to you, the converted here on that You one. know, if you constantly treat people in that way, there is going to be a backlash. And, you know, um, uh, certainly, I mean, I've got a, a lot of black friends and I, uh, you know, I've lived in Hackney a lot of years and I've never been stopped. Right, not I mean, once, right. I, I, I've ever. never been stopped either, and I yeah. don't understand it. I look like someone yeah. who might be carrying certain drugs, and I don't understand why I've... Well, I do understand, yeah. uh, but it frustrates me. Yeah. I mean, not that I think anyone should be stopped. No. Like, why are we stopping anybody um, if, for a start? Like, indeed, indeed. Know, so the help? idea that poor people are automatically uh, more likely to be criminals, which is bollocks. Right. Um, also, I would suggest to you, I mean, I'm no mathematician, my, my O-levels are retake, but if you take, um, if you stop and search twenty white people and six hundred black people, what do you think is going to happen? Right, right. You know what? Yeah, no, sure, right. You know, it does my head in. And and you know, it doesn't look at any of the causes. And all that. I mean, that's that. I mean, that is one of the the things that's kind of the, the saddest thing about those riots is that I think I agree with you in terms of. Uh, pretty much on, on what happened and what and why what those forces were that, that affected people. But the saddest thing is that that really that that like like all moments really was a good opportunity for those feelings, that anger to be directed in the right places. But instead, because of the kind of society we have, it was yeah. people turned against their own communities, yeah. their own their each other. And, and that's what that's what we're doing in but this country as there is no at large now, aren't we? Yeah. You know, yeah. But where is their community? No, I mean, sure. I'm, I'm part of a, a, a very peripheral part of a, a scheme called the crib in Hackney, which is for young, disaffected kind of youth who are uh, ex-offenders or in danger of offending, whatever like that. And, and to get money out of Hackney is... I mean, we have got money, mm. um, but, you know, it's constantly... We're on the edge all the time. We're always... You know, everything is... You go to our places and they're, they're, they're very basic and there aren't many places where young people can go. And there are so many caveats put on it that a lot of the young people don't want to come because, you know, they have to be searched and stuff. They have to go through doors that make sure they haven't got, you know, a knife on them right. or a gun on. They're already kind of condemned yeah. before they go into the building, right. you know. And and I think there's a lot of stuff that we could do very differently. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, you know, you can't just say, well, there's Vicky Park you're all, you'd catered for. Yeah. You know, it's a bit more complicated than that. And I just want to say, I'm not saying for a moment that I understand all the details of why the riots happened. Right. You know, you, nor, you, nor, you would take psychologists nor, yeah. and psycho right. you know, sociologists and all those sorts of, you know... I mean, this is, again, what you're talking about of, of, at the older you get, the, the less certain you can be of anything. It's so but complex. There's so many reasons. You can yeah. find so many arguments. It's like yeah. with, with the recent terrible like uh, terrorist atrocities as well it's so easy to say it's yeah. this or it's that or it's this or it's yeah. that and of course it's not it's a million things and so many things and personal things and social yeah. things and all these things yeah yeah absolutely you don't know what their upbringing their background all the rest of it, but, of it. but you know um, not not giving any truck at all to, to what happened this is absolutely unconscionable in every conceivable mm -hmm. way but you know um there are many terrorists in many guises, and mm -hmm. many of them are monsters in suits, mm -hmm. in very high positions of mm -hmm. power. 
Yeah, and you can't, you know, when um, um, September the 11th happened, uh, John Pilger did, I'll, I'll get it wrong, but it's something like, he did an essay called something like The Inevitable Ring of the Unimaginable. And I thought that was one of the most marvellous ideas to put into your head. He's not saying it was right. No, no, no. Happened, but if you're going to bomb and pillage um, vast swathes of other people's countries for years and years and years... Do you really think it's possible that nothing will ever happen on your soil, that mm. they won't find a way? I'm not in any way, you know, it was terrible. Lots of Muslims died in that. You know, I, it, it, I want them all. They're all monsters. <laughs> I want them all to stop. But I don't, I don't think that that was any more monstrous than any other deaths from from whatever going into a building in you know the uh, pick a country yeah you know, exactly uh, in great swathes of of, uh, of the east for example but not only um, and and you know but they didn't those people there they didn't have mobile phones they didn't have Fox News there within three minutes they didn't they perhaps didn't have more than three helicopters in the whole country to go and film it and who'd want to see it anyway because they're not as important right. Well, I mean, we've seen this recently in that we've had, to, you know, 12 people die in France. And again, all of the yeah. with all of the yeah. stuff, I, I'm not condoning anything, et cetera, no, no. et cetera. Yeah. But, but, but then, you know, the, on the I think it's either the same day or the day after 2000 people were killed in Nigeria by Boko Haram. And, and yeah. that is is is. T- also, you know, but but the one we talked about were these twelve people, um, rather than those two thousand people. Well, indeed, it's because it's close by, and what can happen in Paris can happen in London. Yeah, and that's what you know. Um, brown people far away. Yeah, you know, don't matter the same. Right. Uh, which is why I have a problem with the whole idea of the nation state in the first fucking place. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, patriotism, the last refuge of the scoundrel. Although it's uh, very strange in London that people, I mean, that people have that view because I, I, I think about London. Uh, we will both know many, many more people of Nigerian descent than yeah. we will know people of French descent. Um, not that yeah. I, I mean, I know yeah. some French people. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, but, but it's, mm. it's. You know, with this weirdly, we we live in this global world, um, but yet we don't pay any attention to most of the globe. Yes. Yeah. Well, yes, indeed, we live in a global world where it suits us. Yeah. We live in a global world where we can get someone to do something for two pence mm. in one part of the globe when they'll do it for ten pounds in another part of the globe. Right. Globally, in that sense, right. when we we come to global welfare, we're not global. No. When we come to you know any kind of social um, equality. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, we're, we're, we're in the dark ages, you know, we're worse, actually. I, don't, I mean, don't, don't mean to, uh, to malign the dark ages. <laughs> you know, there were, there were some great centuries back there, you know, where, where nobody really did anything very right, much right. to each other in comparison. I mean, the, the bloodiest centuries have been the last one and, and this, this one's This is the hilarious thing about well, the word civilization, isn't it? Well, like, what, I've know. never heard such bollocks in all my born days. Right. You know, we have found ways to massively kill, maim and otherwise, you know, fuck up virtually everyone on the earth one day or another. I mean, you and I will live several years fewer because we live in London because of what we're breathing in. But that don't go on the top of the news, does it? Right. You know, because they don't want you to panic about that. But it's true. No, you're right. It's absolutely true. But we decide what goes to the top of the news. And that's why I I watch RT. I watch Al Jazeera. I try and watch and and I find a lot of news on the net yeah me too um you know but you you have got to be 
you know, there's an awful lot of conspiracy theorists right. and all the rest of it. You've, you've got to find, you know, so find other ways to verify your sources. You can't trust any media. You can't even, trust any you know, media. that's the problem. You can't even, no. you can't trust the mainstream media, but you can't also trust the non-mainstream media. So no, it's, no. you know, we are in this kind of murky predicament of trying to work things out in that kind of way. Um, so yeah, you, you, but on a personal level, coming back from the big, the big things to the <laughs> yes, small things. That's right. Because you sorted the world out now. Yeah. Right? I mean, so that's we've, right. we've certainly covered it. Um, <laughs> The yeah, I mean, so you you uh, after this kind of ten years or seven years of therapy, five years, yeah, five, five years, yeah, just under. So at, at that point, you, I guess you, you I remember working you about forty or something. When at that point, or? Yeah, I was no, I was thirty nine when I started it, and I was forty four when I finished right. it. Right, I'm fifty one now. Cool. So <laughs> I went to I had a couple of years of like consolidation. Yeah, uh, where things did get better. I had a couple of. Uh, uh, trips and falls you know uh, but and and the therapist was saying oh you know you, you shouldn't have left but I think they always say that you know I think I was ready um, and there were a couple of bits I suppose I could have worked on quicker uh, if I'd stayed with her but you know it's bloody hard work it was up a hill and I can remember that hill oh god some days you just you know it was like carrying a hundred weight on your back just going up that hill because you didn't want to go mm. you know and and be in such a painful place you know it needed to happen but I I you know I started as you said earlier in our conversation being more honest uh I didn't realize I was such a big liar I'm not having a go at myself right. it was it was absolutely necessary from the space I was occupying it was what you did yeah you know I come from a family of liars you know right. who had good reason to lie I realized that the you know there are lots of things I don't see and the therapist that was a big day when she said well maybe you were trained not to see certain things you know I went to that place um, for three years before I realized when you go through the front door to the therapist there were stairs going down as well never noticed I mean big things like that I'd never I know it sounds like a, a funny thing, but I could give you a dozen examples of things that are so obvious that I don't, I haven't seen. Mm. And uh, I still do it today. I'm just, I just not so heavy on myself about it. But she said, you know, you were trained to see the world in a certain way, to see this, but to not see that, to clock the, the, the portent of this, but not that. And there were good reasons why you conform to that. You know, and you had to survive. Right, survival strategies that we learn when we're younger are fine yeah. because they get us through. But then yeah. when we get older, we're still doing them, and they're and no don't longer dis- working. You don't discard they, them; yeah, they work the against same. you. Yeah. yeah. So, so that I started working through that, and then I, I had a, a kind of short-lived relationship with this guy, and um, I met him at something to do with work uh, that I, I, I was standing in for somebody else. I'd never have been there normally. And for some reason he liked me and I hadn't been been seeing anybody for a long time. Uh, and it was very exciting, you know, and I met this guy and he turned out to be like really rich and really like in, you know, he went to Parliament a lot and this big guy, this enormous life. Uh, and although uh, we parted very soon on good terms, but it was obvious we he wasn't very sound on Israel things like that I just didn't you know but it was a good kind of dipping your toe back into the the, the world of sort of romance and relationships yeah. and that kind of thing but whilst I was seeing him and I think it was about sort of three or four months of seeing him I was quite embarrassed I realised how small my life was you know compared to this person that had 
invitations and things coming out of every orifice that he, he took life by the scruff of the neck and and I realized that actually that that wasn't terrifying anymore you know that that I was kind of still living the life that I'd been up to living and I was up to more than that right now so I started thinking well what can I what 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 would frighten me and I did start looking at doing things like um jumping out of a plane parachuting and stuff right. But that really did turn my bowels to water. And then I was listening to Radio 4 one night and they had a poetry slam on. I'd never heard of anything like that. And they had these people doing it and I thought, well, I've written stuff like that. I'd got stuff from when I was a kid that I'd written. I'd always written funny stuff, funny poems and bits and pieces. So I went along to, I looked it up on the net and I went along to Bang Said the Gun. I just went and had a look and it was like a bear pit. I mean, it was really... Yeah. <laughs> really frightening yeah, yeah, yeah. and I thought oh, fuck it what can they do you can't kill me you know but I was really I really 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 scared and I went there with my one bit of paper and stood there and honestly my hand was going you know as if I'd got I, got, I was um, in sub-zero temperatures wow. and I did this poem and I won I won the slam and I ne- that was it well, I'm not surprised you won because I, 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 you know you're an excellent performer and, and you. It was just a do 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 Well, you know, I think there was an honesty to it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's what that, works. And it was that uh, Dan Cockrell. It was him who decided back then. Right. Who won? And I will be forever grateful to that wonderful man because he really is uh, uh, what he's done. Not just him, people like Paul Eccentric, and I know some people won't know who these people are, but no. it's important, you know. Sure. Uh, and yourself and uh, Dan Simpson and, and Luke Wright and um, a whole plethora of people who um, encourage others, you know, to come on board and to develop. Uh, and that's why I run this thing, Friggers of Speech, uh, a monthly thing in London, it's yes, it's to it's to have features on and all that kind of stuff. But I don't really like slams. Um, I don't like competition mm. at all, really. And um, but what I do like is seeing people develop. And they come along and they do their little poem and they're shitting themselves and they do the little poem and they get a clap, you know. And I try and encourage them, and they come back and they're a bit better mm. and they're a bit better and they start to believe in themselves. And you know, bang said the gun and all that did that for me and gave me confidence to go and try other things and do other things. And I hope that, you know, there'll always be this contingent of people that are just, you know, there to encourage others to do it. Because it's not just helped me there. It's that that really made me start thinking about doing the music. And now I've started writing short stories and uh, I've got a play knocking about in my head that I want to do about the sort of women I know in Hackney, women that aren't represented anywhere that I can see, you know, that sitting there, ah! You know, with a fag on, talking about how they'd never have fucking kids in a month of fucking Sundays. You know, <laughs> she'd think I'm a twat. You know, the, 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 I know lots of lower working class women who have got very definite views about an awful lot of things that got nothing to do with the perceived idea of what a woman is. Right. You know, what the feminine is. Right. And I like challenging that Yeah. idea. But right. all that came from that one night, really, you know, and being given... You know, like they they take kids on holiday and it was all in the Daily Mail. Oh, we're planning to take these kids on holiday, a terrible thing. But, you know, I read a thing by a um, social worker who took some of these boys that had done all sorts of things wrong. And the kid caught a fish. And 
everyone gave him a round of applause, you know, and he just he was just in a wet heap on the floor because nobody had ever praised him for anything, ever, once. He'd never felt a sense of achievement in his entire born days. Mm. And that's what those things can do, and that's what I think, among other creative outlets, you know, the poetry scene can do. It can give people a sense of achievement and worth and possibility, mm. you know, that just wasn't there wasn't available yeah i mean it's something that i think is really valuable about any any kind of thing where people stand up on a stage and everybody has to listen to them because if they're from a group that is unlistened to then it means that that, that has a, a dual effect which is brilliant it means that somebody who hasn't been listened to is listened to and it means that people who haven't heard that voice hear that voice and so it has a, a positive effect for audiences and for the and for the person performing it so yeah, yeah. i mean i think that's yeah, that's what that's one of the things that makes me in you know, involved in true storytelling and stuff like that, you know. Um it's one of the things I get out of that work. Yeah, yeah the true yeah, I like the true storytelling. I think that's of of great value. Mm. Um it's kind of social history. Right. It's kind of, you know, it's a, a psychological journey. Yeah. You know, it's all those things. Yeah, I mean a spark under night we I always say it feels like a, a, a it feels kind of almost like Alcoholics Anonymous, but not everybody's an alcoholic. So <laughs> so it's like we're all just being, like, admitting we're human. Like, it's like Humans yeah. Anonymous. Like, yeah, and, and everyone sort of <laughs> afterwards goes up and talks to each it's other. It's true. My name and is Mel Jones, and I am a, uh, uh, a poser. <laughs> I am an un- unmitigated, fragile, broken thing. Right. Uh, and that's okay. Right, you know, exactly. Yeah. That's okay is such yeah. a... That's one of the. Yeah. That's like a little. Yeah, if I if I have if I have a mantra, that's the one I I'm trying to use. Yeah, yeah. I've got a nephew days. who it's melancholic too, and I sit there going, "Have you killed anyone? He's going, <laughs> well, well, no. So have you maimed anyone? Have you hit anyone? Have you stolen from anyone?" And he's gone, "Well, no, no, no." Said, what? Well, what then? Why? Why are you such a you know worthless piece of shit then? You said oh, these are all the major things that everybody else would condemn you for. You've not done any of them. Right. So what? You know. Yeah. Why are you, this is just, because um, there is, at the centre of, uh, I believe, of many forms of uh, of depression is, is an intense narcissism. You know, you, you've got to admit that as well, that, sure. you know, you are that important. No, well, you know you're not. I mean, that's that's one of the things that therapy gives you, an understanding of, of, the, of the fact that you, you're pretty, basically, you're, you're ordinary. Yeah. You're not. It's it's it's, it's not yeah, special. It's, it's a weird. It's like a, a kind of balance, isn't it, between seeing your yourself as valid and as 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 mattering, uh, and but not seeing yourself as the most important thing that there is. Yeah. You know, it's that balance. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what we're all. I think that's what all human beings are like struggling to do, whether we're whether they've got officially yes. got mental mental health issues or not. You know, we're, we're well, trying yeah. to make sense of the fact that we're meaningless and we're meaningful. We're, we're both at the same things. at the same time. Yeah, I mean now. I don't even notice who else is on the platform and the tube. Well, you know, before the therapy, I, all all of my brain was taken up with what they thought of me. Right. Yeah. yeah all yeah. of it. Yeah, there yeah. was no room for my version of me. Right. You know, and that and that is that's what therapy gives you. It gives you these open spaces that were just you know locked tight with all this shit. Yeah. You know that you just couldn't couldn't wade through. You're too busy wading through the shit to see the. the the shoreline, yeah, you know, for sure. So, uh, anyway, yeah, I mean, I feel like I've had a bit of a therapy session myself. Absolutely, today. absolutely, that's no, um, been brilliant. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure getting better acquainted with you. Um, the last question that I ask my guests is, uh, do you have anything to plug? 
Oh, well, Figures of Speech is the second Wednesday of every month. It's free. We're at the top of the Spread Eagle pub in Camden, opposite right. the Green Note. The Spread Eagle is a, a, a brilliant combination with Friggers of Speech. Absolutely, absolutely. And there's a big neon sign in the room that says, Hello, Gorgeous. It was even better. <laughs> um, and, and it's just a nice little space. You know, we pass the hat round for the features. Um, and it's very sort of laid back and you can do what you want. You know, if you want a bit longer, just tell us, you know, come and do two or three poems or a song or a, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Um, and it, it's uh, it's really nice to do. Um, and I suppose, you know, in the fullness of time, I'll be plugging my album. Yeah. You know, with guitars and everything. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not, it doesn't exist yet. And how can people find you or- Oh, just on Facebook because I'm, you know, I, I, <laughs> I know I did have a website. Someone half made a website for me, and I gave it out thinking that I could get it all together. And I'm about as much use as a chocolate teapot. I've got no idea. Whatever works. Basically, Facebook and email poetrymel at hotmail.co.uk, and um, Facebook I'm Mel Jones. So you'd have to find a poetry friend of yours, and I would probably be on their list, because right. Mel Jones is hard to yeah, find otherwise. the Mel Jones that's friends with loads of poets. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, Although there is, is another Mel Jones uh, poet, but she's also into wine, so if, if it's somebody who's Mel Jones, a poet, and uh, part of the wine club or something, it ain't me. I think. Yeah. I think. I feel like people. When if you if they if they find you, they'll know they found you. I hope. I, mean, <laughs> I think so. You know, I, hope so. <laughs> I feel like one of the things that I think is, is great about you is you know you are a very unique like a unique. And we're all unique, right? It's absurd to say anyone's unique, but you feel you're refreshing, and I feel like people will feel refreshed when they find you. Well, thank you. I hope. I hope that's true. <laughs> I hope that's true. Um, yes, you 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 are also all those things. You know. Let's have a mutual love. But it's, it, you know, it is, it is very, very flattering to have someone to come and, and actually, you know, ask me what's going on. Because it's like, you know, it, it gives you the illusion that you matter, doesn't it? Well, you do and you don't, <laughs> like all of us, I guess. Um, Absolutely. The last thing I ask my guests to do is to say goodbye to the audience. Well, hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to us witter on. Um, and and uh, propose our half-baked ideas right. about how the world and the psyche works. Yeah. Thank you very much. Bye, everybody. Bye. The next Friggers of Speech is on the 8th of April in two weeks' time. So if you're in London or you're passing through London, you should absolutely check it out. Follow Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at GBA Podcast. You can like it on Facebook and subscribe to it pretty much anywhere that podcasts go to hang out with each other on the internet. Or you can find it on the website www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, there are lots of ways to get better acquainted. <laughs>